Chatty Watty, the ultimate Doctor Who rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Dean, and as I have been for every week, I'm joined by Andrea. Hello. Hello, Dean. You almost sounded a bit fed up of my presence there. Almost. I'll, I'll try harder next week. So every week we start off with me asking you how you are. and You give the same response every week, so I'm just going to skip that bit today. <laughs> Sorry, you look quite sad now. I am very sad. I mean, I had a whole sob story to offload. You literally just told me how you are. You just, we skipped the question. You, you said, I'm really sad. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Yeah. Um, I feel like I should give um, a trigger warning before we start this podcast, because we are going to be talking about some themes some listeners might find distressing. And of course, I'm talking about Adam. Anyway, should we start this podcast off? Yeah, please. I've got Adam in my head and I want him out of it. So let's just, let's just get on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So every week, Dean and I like to summarise this episode, the episode we are exploring, in one sentence. So what did you, what was your sentence this week, Dean? Well, the episode we're exploring this week is Dalek, season six of episode one. And my sentence summary is as follows. The Doctor meets an old friend, but they're not friends, they're enemies. But he's Rose's friend. Oh, how sweet. Could you tell? Could you tell that I've forgotten to write a sentence summary? No, actually, I just thought it was a really naff attempt at a sentence summary. But thank you for admitting that, so that we know why the quality of our podcast has suddenly declined. You're going to suddenly decline if you keep up this attitude. What's your sentence summary? Wow, how threatening. My sentence summary was, a Dalek has an existential crisis after it finally conquers a staircase and nobody seems all that impressed. That's good stuff. <laughs> it's very sad, very sad. It's quite well, I I feel like there is they are they're they're, they're more horrified than impressed. But we're gonna talk about the stair scene, obviously, to such great extent that you guys are gonna feel like you're on that staircase. Was that a threat or what? <laughs> yeah, should we just move on? Yes. Okay. So I've got some general information for you, my dear friend, Andrea. Are you ready to take in all this knowledge? Oh, I am. I'm ready to suck it all up. Okay. Uh, Anyway, it was written by Robert Shearman. Um, Hasn't written any episodes yet, so he's a newcomer to Who. And it was directed by Joe Ahern. It was broadcast on the 30th of April, 2005. And I think, do you want to just answer the question I'm about to ask? What was I doing that day? Yeah, yeah. What were you well, doing that day? I was alive. I was hopefully breathing, hopefully conscious, and hopefully happy. And other than that, I can't be much more specific. That's quite sweet. Two big things happened the day before this episode was released. Obviously, the big event of this day was the episode being released. So do you want me to tell you what happened the day before? Well, you could, but it's not quite as relevant, is it, Dean, to this podcast, so... First one is that New Zealand had their first civil union take place. Oh, that's so sweet. I know. The other one was um, Syria completely withdrew from Lebanon, ending 29 years of occupation. Good times, good times. What a great day. Yeah, quickly move on, please, before I say anything else. Yeah, let's... How about I share with you some fun facts? Would you like that? Andrew, we do we do the same dance every week. You know what I'm about to say, don't you? Well, actually, no, you're quite unpredictable and it makes it quite hard as a co-host to... They might not be 
fun facts. They might be boring. They might be sad. They might be just facts. So just tell me some facts and then I'll tell you what word I would use to describe them. Thank you for that. So my first fun fact is that this episode, as we all know, it's called Dalek now. It was actually going to be called Creature of Lies. What do you make of that? Would that have been a better title? Hmm. I feel like it would save the mystery of the Dalek in the episode, which is quite interesting. And I would also like to label that an interesting fact. It's not quite fun. Thank you. I think. Although actually really was an insult, so screw you. But, you know, I personally think that Dalek is a better title because although you don't have the surprise factor in the same way, the, the trailer for the next episode uh, at the end of World War Three kind of gives it away anyway. Yes, but I did read somewhere that um, the trailer revealing the Dalek was when people started posting about how they're not going to watch the the trailer for the next episode and that has carried on forever since then oh yes that is true so the trailer was probably a mistake but i still think the title dalek is quite effective and it's so short and to the point that it represents the simplicity of the episode one dalek wow we really get in i i say this every week we probably get into the name of the episode it's my favorite part actually as an English literature student. Should we just end it now? Yeah, let's let's go. I, I've got my dinner ready. What have you got for dinner? My next fact is that Adam, our beloved Adam, not, was originally intended to be Van Staten's son, but this was later altered. Do you think changing it was for the best? Yeah, because I don't really like the idea of having an American guy joining them on the TARDIS. You know what those guys are like. You've just made me incredibly uncomfortable. But... To extract what I can that isn't racist from your point, I do think it would make it unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's just unneeded. Just like Adam. Exactly. I refuse to accept Adam as a character. That fact is fun. Thank you. Thank you. And so my next fun fact is something that I think a lot of fans who closely follow the show and its trivia will probably know but I could not mention it so the BBC were blocked from using the Daleks by Terry Nation's estate, obviously Terry Nation being the creator of the Daleks not Davros as everyone seems to think it was actually Terry Nation what a psycho wow so so Davros has just been lying this entire time yeah he didn't create the Daleks, it was all Terry Davros I thought I could trust him. I think he's kind of turning out to be a bit of a bad guy, this Davros. He is. Some of the things he's done, a bit morally questionable. I'm fine with him trying to kill everyone, but lying about creating the Daleks is a step too far, Davros. He's crossed the line. You can't even see the line anymore. Anyway, because they couldn't use the Daleks, the script was rewritten. And the Daleks were replaced by childlike aliens who kill for pleasure. But actually, the Dalek rights were finally secured by the BBC. And so these other supplement villains were cut back out. But they later reappeared in The Sound of the Drums in Series 3 as a Toclophane. I was thinking about the Toclophane as you told that fact. That is a fun fact. 
you know what's an even more fun fact? I said toclophane, and then my phone activated saying, hey Siri. So I think we have finally discovered, oh no, now all my devices are going off because I said, hey Siri. <laughs> I'm in a loop. It's happening over and over again. Ah, stop it. Next fact, next fact. Okay, so this is the only one-parter Dalek episode of Russell T. Davis's era. Thoughts? That is fun. Hmm. Yeah. Never even noticed that. It's because most Dalek episodes have multiple Daleks, but this episode only has one Dalek. So obviously one episode for one Dalek. Wouldn't it be beautiful and simplistic if that were true? Are there any other two-parters with only one Dalek? Oh my god, no I don't think so. There's Into the Dalek and that's a one-parter and there's only one Dalek. So that goes with the pattern. Although there's more than one Dalek and Victory of the Daleks in Series 5. Oh yeah. Well, so your whole theory's been... I ignore that episode, so... Because of the multicoloured Daleks. Yeah. I do think in Russell T. Davis's era that the Daleks became such a big event, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. There was so much suspense around their returns every time, despite the fact that it was a pretty regular occurrence. Shall we go on to the actual trivia section? Not just my trivia, not just my fun facts, but the trivia section. The trivia section, which is also your trivia section this week. But, but we'll get on to that. That's true, yeah. In this section, Andrew and I like to present each other with trivia questions. This week, it's Andrew's turn to ask me the questions and you at home. But it's not as fun for you guys at home because there's not the back and forth banter that Andrew and I are about to partake in. Andrew, please take it away. So, my first question is this, Dean. And also, as Dean has said, I will be addressing people at home as well. So, Robert from Lancaster... You might not be at home, you might be walking... (laughs) I was about to address Robert from Lancaster and you just had to interrupt my little communication with him. Robert from Lancaster has just pooed himself because he heard his name. Imagine if Robert from Lancaster is like one of our five listeners. <laughs> that would be terrifying for us and for poor Robert. Please take a seat, Robert. Help will be with you shortly. <laughs> so anyway, my first question is this. When this episode was released on DVD, the BBFC gave this episode a 12 rating. According to IMDb, which scene was this because of? Was it when A. The Doctor tortures the Dalek B. Simmons is suckered to death by the Dalek's plunger C. Van Staten uses the word spoon in a possibly sexual context D. When the Dalek sets off the sprinkler system, electrocuting all the soldiers. Or E, when the Doctor is tortured topless by Van Staten. My first instinct was the shirtless torture that the Doctor and Van Staten partook in. I don't know why I keep using the word partook. But now I've had the options, I feel like the spoon one is the kind of thing Andrew would hit me with. I'd hit you with a spoon. (laughs) Regret my choice of words. But uh, none of this, I'm going to go with the spoon option. I'm afraid you have been fooled, my friend. It was actually A, when the Doctor tortures the Dalek. Whoopsie daisy, I'm a silly billy, question two time. So, as Dean said, on to question two. Robert Shearman wrote a Big Finish Doctor Who audiobook in 2003 called Jubilee. 
This adventure was later reworked to form the Series 1 episode, Dalek. Which Doctor features in Jubilee? A. The Second Doctor B. The Fourth Doctor C. The Sixth Doctor D. The Eighth Doctor Or E. The Doctor does not actually feature in it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Can you quickly just run through the um, answers again, please? So, A, Second Doctor, B, the Fourth Doctor, C, the Sixth Doctor, D, the Eighth Doctor, or E, the Doctor does not feature in it. I'm going to go Fourth. So, I'm afraid you were incorrect. It was the Sixth Doctor. Okay. Anyway, next question before I continue to embarrass myself. Yeah, you will get hate from so many of our followers. From Robert. From Robert from Lancaster, yeah, he's he's already writing into us, eminently. So, before writing the script, Shearman asked his partner what she thought made the Daleks daft, rather than a galactic threat. Which of these points did she not mention in her criticism? A. Their plunger is silly. B. They are unable to go upstairs. C. Their vision is easily impaired. D. They can be damaged by bullets, or E, they can never see behind them. Okay, so clearly all of them are addressed in the episode, and all of them are pretty, like, base stuff about the Daleks, apart from one. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know, because I'm not massive on old Who, but I don't remember them ever being harmed if they were bulletproof or if they ever got shot by bullets. Too. I don't know if that's a thing, but I knew obviously all the other stuff was because of the effects and the design of the Daleks at the time made it more difficult for them to go upstairs. And apart from the plunger one, I suppose, but I'm going to go with bullets. I'm afraid you were wrong, but your logic I thought was very good. Poo-bum. If that's compensation. It was actually C, their vision is easily impaired. Hmm, that's fun. Oh, I guess that's very similar to the other one, isn't it? Yeah. But as you said, all of these elements were therefore challenged in this episode to dismiss any previously weak traits of the Daleks, which I think is an incredibly clever way to reintroduce such an iconic Doctor Who villain. Indeed, indeed. Actually, their ability to hover was seen in the chase in 1965, not the quiz show, the Doctor Who episode, and revelation of the Daleks in 1985. And finally, a Dalek was shown going upstairs in remembrance of the Daleks in 1988. So this wasn't the first time, actually, that we'd seen them take to the stairs in such a cool way. Well, but... clearly, um, his girlfriend was such a noob and they should break up. And if they have broken up since then, I'm happy about it. Wow. I, what I find really endearing about Classic Who is the fact that, obviously, the Dalek elevating in this episode was achieved with CGI, whereas back in the 80s, it was achieved by building scaffolding over the staircase and placing the Dalek prop on a tray and hoisting it up a rail-mounted trolley. That's so much effort for one stunt. Yeah, my idea was a crane, but... A crane's in the bird? To, like, yeah, carry the Dalek in its beak? Like, lots of cranes. Yeah. Attach it. I mean, the big flock of cranes would actually be terrifying. So, my penultimate question. This episode re-establishes the fact that Time Lords have two hearts. It does. Which... They do have two hearts. They, they do. do. That's more than us. That's like double. Can I guess what your question is going to be? 
you can. And if I get it right, I get a point. Okay, even though this is all this is all completely arbitrary. I'm bet your question's going to be when was the two heart thing introduced? Maybe. Um, do you want to give me the options? <laughs> I, I will. I'm trying to go classic who this week because I know it's your weak point. Why are you being so mean to me? Because you always do better on my trivia than I do on yours. Anyway. You're not going to enjoy next week. Oh dear. I probably won't. It's the long game. And although I love Russell T Davis and think he's a tremendous writer, it is not one of my favourite episodes. But that's beside the point right now. So as I was saying, which classic Who instalment first revealed the fact that Time Wars have two hearts? A. The Tenth Planet in 1966. B. The War Games in 1969. C. Spearhead from Space in 1970. D. Genesis of the Daleks in 1975. Or E. The Caves of Androzani in 1984. Okay, the ones that stood out to me. Oh, obviously I've got no idea. But I liked the Spearhead from Space name, so I'm going to go with that. You would be correct. Yeah. How jammy was that? Yes, in John Pertwee's first episode and Aww. the first Doctor Who episode in colour, it was revealed that <gasps> Time Wars have two hearts. In colour? Yeah, so there were red hearts as well. They weren't just grey. How cool. According to Sherman, this is my final question, how many revisions did this script go through before being finalised? Would you like the options or are you no, looking in your answer? I'll have the options, please. A, two, B, six, C, 10, D, 14, or E, 17. Interesting. Well, I know it's at least two because you told me about one earlier. But Very of clever, course, smart. I'm sure most scripts have more than two revisions. Hmm. So I'm going to go with was 14 one of the options or did i just make that up it, it was and no you didn't make it up it's a number is it well now i know that now i know one of the options is a number i'll go with that one and again your logic would serve you well it was in fact the answer it took 14 revisions of the script before we got to the episode we have today that's a lot of work for robert and i don't yeah. just mean robert from lancaster oh i didn't maybe it's Robert Shearman from Lancaster. I will do some very quick Googling. Oh my. Maybe he's got a Google alert for his own name. That's what I would do if I had was anything. You know what I mean? I do. He was born in Sussex, but I can't find any information of Ugh. where he is now. Sussex. How dull. Yeah, anyway, so I no longer like this episode. That's That's a very quick... If you're Change. from Sussex, stop listening right now. We're not having your kind of... We're not having your kind here. This is so rude. This is... This is discrimination. I don't know if I've ever been to Sussex. Neither, neither do I. It hasn't what's really in Sussex? Nothing. If you live in Sussex, I'm going to find out what's in Sussex. Sorry, we're getting very distracted. Um, I googled Sussex and the one it gave me that's inside Sussex is... East Sussex, which is fun. Wow, I could not have worked that out myself. 
Hastings, there's a place we know. Hastings, we know Hastings. Good old battle of Hastings with arrows and eyes and trickery on the battlefield. Anyway. Horses, nay, I think it's time we went on to plot and setting. As we do every week, we give Dean an opportunity to inform our listeners, all you beautiful people, of what this episode's plot really includes. And we also explore the setting a little bit afterwards. But whenever Dean's ready, if he'd like to get on with his wonderful summary of the events of Dalek. Okay, last week went a little weird, so I'm going to keep it short and simple. Stupid this week. I was calling Andrew a stupid, not the listener. So don't panic, listener. I, I appreciate you, unless you're from Sussex. Okay. So the TARDIS lands deep underground in a state I can't remember in America. And Rose is like, why we're here? Why, why are we says, here? <laughs> the doctor. Who says that? Why are we here? I've already lost the plot. Okay. And the doctor's like, hey, we're just here because the TARDIS told me to come here and I just do what the TARDIS says. And we're in 2012, by the way, which for me personally is in the past of my life. But for them, it's in the future. They look around and there's a bunch of alien stuff. And the doctor's like, wow, this is a museum for alien. Slovene hand, Cyberman head, etc. And then suddenly armed guards appear and arrest them. Meanwhile, this big guy is a bit of a douche. He's called um, Van Staten, also known as a bit of a douche. And he's walking around and he's like, America needs a new president. I choose Democrat. Fun times. Um, let's keep going. Um, how's my living specimen doing? Blah, blah, blah. Somebody broke in. They must have come in through the window. Um, I'll go talk to them. And then he goes to his office. And this guy, he's a bit of a... He, he's worse than a douche. He's like an idiot. He's like the worst person you've ever met. His name's Adam. He's in Van Staten's office. And he went, we found this. It looks like some fuel thing. And the doctor get, get comes comes into the room. He's like, that's not a fuel thing, you silly Billy. And then Van Staten's like, what is it? And he's like, it's a little musical instrument. <laughs> Um, that's what the instrument sounds like. And Van Sutton's like, how do you know so much about this stuff? And the doctor's like, none of your damn beeswax. Anyway, can I see this living specimen? And uh, he's like, sure. Hey, Adam, you go hang out with Rose because you're both British and maybe you want to have sex or something. I don't know. He doesn't say that. He says something along those lines. Um, so, so the doctor goes down and he's like, he sees the living specimen and he's like, oh, I'm sorry you're here. I feel so sorry for you. Don't be sad. I'll save you. It's all good. Um, Van Satten's a bit of an idiot. I'm the doctor. And then it's actually a Dalek. Shock horror. The doctor cannot believe his eyes. The viewers are shocked by the vision of such a scary thing. And the doctor's like, kill it. Kill it. I'm going to kill it. And then he starts hitting it and wanting to kill it and stuff. And then he gets dragged out of the room and gets his shirt taken off him and strapped to a table. Meanwhile, Rose and Adam were flirting, I think. I couldn't really understand what they were doing. Meanwhile, um, Van Satten discovers the Doctor has two hearts. And he's like, well, I'm going to sell this. And he's like, don't sell my heart. And then he's like, no, silly. I'm not going to sell your hearts. I'm just going to sell the model for science stuff. And they're just like, okay. But the Dalek's going to escape. 
Phantasm's like, don't be silly. Meanwhile, downstairs, the Dalek is escaping because Rose touched it, and that gives it all the power it needs, so it goes killing people. And the Doctor's like, hey, give me my shirt back and get me off this table, and I'll give you a hand with the Dalek. And he's, he's like, sure, that sounds like a fun idea. I don't want to die. So he gets off the table, and he's all like, well, the Dalek's going to kill everyone in Salt Lake City, blah, 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 death destruction galore and the Daleks meanwhile is going around killing everyone not fun but Rose and Adam somehow escape so even though they were the closest at the time and the doctor's like close all the doors oh wait no something happens before them it's 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 like not incredibly relevant the Dalek just electrocutes a bunch of people but the doctor's like close the doors it will trap Rose down there but Rose will have enough time to escape Rose didn't have enough time to escape and the Dalek arrives and the Dalek's about to kill Rose but the Dalek doesn't kill Rose and spares her why stay tuned to find out then the doctor's like no Rose is dead but Rose isn't dead we know that well I mean we didn't know that but now we know that because I just told you and um yeah, and the episode ends there. No, I'm kidding. The Dalek has got feelings and stuff because he touched Rose. Wow, what a twist. He touched Rose? You will touch death soon. He just prodded her with her with his plunger. I mean, touching is a two-way street. <laughs> you need to stop yourself. You, you get in the bin. You get in right now where I can see you. Um. Anyway, where were we? Something to do with the Doctor. Um, oh yeah, Dalek. He's about to kill every- the Doctor's about to kill the Dalek because he found a big old weapon. And Rose is like, "Don't kill him." And the Doctor's like, "Why?" And he's like, "Because he's sad and you're mean." And the Doctor's like, "Fair enough." And the Dalek was like, "Please, can you kill me?" And the Doctor's like, "Nah, kill yourself." And the Dalek's like, "Thumbs up, sure thing." Kablooey, Dalek explodes. The end. Thank you for listening. And thank you for letting us listen. That was enriching. My life cannot improve itself from beyond this moment. Fun times with Dean and Andrea. Anyway, yeah, fun. Yeah. Hmm. What do yeah. you make of the setting of this episode? Wow, what a fun setting. Underground in a museum. Simple but new. Fresh. I still haven't got out of my telling you the plot mood, and it just makes me say weird things that I will later regret. Please speak words. I will speak words. I personally really love this sort of setting. The base under siege episodes are some of my favourites. I particularly love all the artifacts at the beginning where the TARDIS lands, and that moment when the Doctor says, "The stuff of nightmares reduced to an exhibit." I'm getting old when he's looking at the Cybermen. And obviously the Cybermen don't appear in Doctor Who until almost halfway through series two. So it's a little hint, a little introduction for the new Who viewers. And so, yeah, it's a really cool setting and also very simplistic. So it doesn't distract you from what's going on. And there's a lot going on, especially between the Doctor and the Dalek and everything time war related as we will get into. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you ready for our next section? No. Too bad. In this little section, it's more than little to be fair, we just go through some of our standout moments from the episodes. And this week we've got a few quotes which are good from this episode too. So what would your first standout moment be? And Rhea. You made me sound like a common Rhea, like an ostrich. And I know that's not what I should be talking about. But please say Andrea smoothly from now on because I don't want to be associated 
with a weird fluffy feathered bird. You, sorry, I can I can think of a response. <laughs> <laughs> That's me whenever you make a joke. To be honest, but it's good. Jokes are good. Anyway, my first standout moment would be the Daleks reveal. Wow, that late in the episode. Well, I really enjoyed the episode before then, but that moment when you see the Daleks' eyes light up in the darkness and the Doctor's whole demeanour shifts and it doesn't shift back in in the entire episode. It's such a momentous and elevating moment for the episode. It sort of amps it up an extra level. And I love the Doctor's anger that follows. It's something that we haven't seen in Eccleston in its raw and most out-of-control form. And it's really exciting to watch. And I love it when heroes are challenged yes. to the extent where you start to doubt if they're even a hero. And we definitely see this in this episode. I'd liken the dynamic of the Doctor being so authoritative and angry and almost blindsided. I'd liken it to the waters of Mars when the Doctor goes all time Lord Victorious. And I really love that dynamic of suddenly looking at a character you adore and being almost disgusted by the anger. I'm not saying I feel as disgusted in this episode because his his rage is justified by how much he has lost and suffered, whilst it's not so much in the waters of Mars, especially when he becomes so arrogant towards the end. But it's an interesting insight into the character, and it definitely gives New Who an edge that Classic Who potentially didn't have. And I think that's why the Time War, the introduction and creation of the Time War was so good for Who. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, see, it's a good reveal that we don't really see it. And then it's the first time we properly see the design and it is a good design. And there's a great little back and forth from the Doctor and the Dalek here, which I have here. And rather than reading it out myself, I thought I could get you to help me. Would you rather be the Dalek or the Doctor? I, I really don't mind. I will do terribly in either role. Um, you can be the doctor then. I just sent you the quote. Oh, how exciting. Do I have to do the northern accent? Yeah. <clears throat> Dalek. This is my Dalek impression. And the coward survived. <laughs> you sound like some old grandma with a <laughs> terrible throat infection or something. How rude. Sorry, would you like to take that line again whilst I warm up my Eccleston accent, which is going to hor- horrify everyone and surprise me because I don't know what's coming out of my mouth. And the coward survived. Oh, and I caught your little signal. Help me, poor thing. But there's no one else coming because there's no one else left. I am alone in the universe. Yep. So are you. We are the same. We're not the same. I'm not. No, wait. Maybe we are. Yeah, right. Okay. You've got a point because I know what to do. I know what should happen. I know what you deserve. Exterminate. He flips a switch, which begins to electrocute the Dalek. Go, Dean. That was nothing. That was a whole load of nothing. And that was a waste of time. It really was. And I noticed halfway through how sad we are. We're literally just doing Doctor Who roleplay to our listeners. (laughs) But thank you for that. It was an interesting moment for everyone. And 
I want to kill myself. Was... But I would like to point out, I love that moment so much because he is the Dalek in this moment. Mm. I did like that moment until about a minute ago. Yeah, it's been ruined forever now. And it will never be the same. I just imagine all our listeners at home, Robert from Lancaster, just just stopping in the middle of the street as he's walking home, thinking, what on earth are they doing? <laughs> well, thanks for springing that, springing that upon me. But I love that whole scene. The dialogue is so strong in that scene. You really see the Doctor transform into the villain. And he's so reckless and out of control in a way that we haven't seen, as I've already said. And his wit and his sarcasm and all the things that make Eccleston great and funny and, you know, the more lighthearted elements of his character are completely twisted to make him somehow more cruel than even a Dalek sounds. For example, a quote earlier on, in that sequence when he realizes that the Dalek can't fire at him he says oh fantastic fantastic powerless look at you the great space dustbin how does it feel and his iconic catchphrase fantastic is transformed in that moment it you know he's wishing bad on the Dalek and of course you would especially since the Daleks are your arch enemy but whilst you've seen him say fantastic in moments of complete celebration, moments when he's wired up with adrenaline during the chase, when he's holding hands with Rose and they're running, it it changes and it's suddenly joy, sort of cruel joy. And I just, it's so good. I'd have to agree with you a lot there. Speaking of his catchphrase of fantastic being perversely twisted, it gets twisted in a scene later on, which I feel like we better talk about, is when Adam and Rose are having their little flirty flirt. And um, Adam says, it's fantastic. And then Rose replies, you're so much like the Doctor, which he isn't. He isn't anything like the Doctor. Um, Just please, Andrea, enlighten us with your view on this little scene. I hate Adam, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about Adam and our characters. It's just nothing. Like, just stupid. Unnecessary. Robert, sort your life out. Seriously, man. Just, I'm talking about Robert Shearman here, not Robert from Lancaster. Just, you had 14 rewrites and... Adam still made the final cut. Exactly. What did you have before Adam? (laughs) That's what I want to know. Something terrifying. More terrifying than the Daleks. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I don't want to talk about this scene for long. I do have a question for you, though, Andrea. Hmm, go ahead. I have three more quotes. <laughs> no, no. Should I just read them out, or is it worth? Do they involve two characters speaking back to back? They all involve two characters, I think, which I just checked. I will entertain this, but for this podcast episode only. Yeah, this is an exclusive. Maybe some point next season we'll we'll sneak one in. Well, I'm of the mind that we can always just erase this episode from our anchor account, and therefore it's fine if we do some role play. Have you sent me the, the script? Oh, well, I need to be able to prepare for I my lines. Like, I feel like let's just go, keep going through our stand-up moments until we get to one of these moments. Oh, oh yeah? okay. 
leave our viewers, listeners even, waiting in anticipation, in fear, more like, for yeah. our next yeah. roleplay moment. I think we also have to refer to the scene in which Rose touches the Dalek. That was going to be the next scene I was going to bring up, actually. Y- you go ahead. Um, I like the the dynamic between you see the Doctor going, this thing, it's going to kill everyone, it's going to escape, and then it cuts to Rose, who is clearly feel sorry for the Dalek and she wants to help it like the doctor did originally to be fair and mm. like you in your mind you're, you're like Rose don't do it don't be an idiot but it's not like Rose you stupid person what the hell do you think you're doing you're like it makes sense why she's doing it but the entire scene is so tense because you still don't want her to do anything stupid yeah I would agree and I'd also say that it establishes the weird complex almost relationship between rose and the dalek and it's not something that's really explored in future episodes the potential emotions a dalek could feel because they're not meant to feel emotions and this is a rare occasion where it actually does happen yeah but i i love that dynamic of rose despite eventually knowing that these aliens destroyed the doctor's world have made him the angry grumpy man that he can be she's still she's still human enough and sympathetic enough and just benevolent enough in her own character to want to give it the benefit of the doubt yeah even at the end and so actually i know this is skipping really far and we'll have standout moments in between the final scene when the Dalek self-destructs, I find it so weirdly emotional. You have Murray Gold's wonderful soundtrack going on. It's my favourite track from the Series 1 soundtrack called The Lone Dalek. And it makes me so emotional. And so watching it to make my notes for this podcast, I, I almost got teary. And you shouldn't. It's against a Doctor Who fan's biology to feel emotionally (laughs) sad about a Dalek blowing itself up because they're the enemy of our our Lord and Master well not our Lord and Master, that's a different character but you know the hero of our our favourite programme, the Doctor and yet you care and I think you care because of the relationship it has with Rose the fact that it, even though it doesn't want to feel these emotions it is honest with her and admits that it's afraid and asks her, why can't I kill you? And it's, well, something to that effect. And so it's such an interesting angle to take, especially when reintroducing such an iconic evil villain to a new generation of viewers. Yeah, definitely. I I appreciate that. That's very true. The next moment I would like to talk about is my least favourite moment in the entire episode, just because it makes no bloody sense to me. (laughs) This is the Doctor being tortured. Um, Basically, the the editing doesn't make any sense of how it's um, Henry Van Staten talking to the Doctor. The Doctor's like, oh yeah, I'm an alien. And then it suddenly cuts to the Doctor shirtless, strapped to the table, begging to be released so they must have like physically restrained him and put him on this table because he's begging to be released but it just doesn't there's a scene missing in the middle of how he got locked up there it just didn't make any sense to me i mean we can all guess how he got to that point and so maybe it was the intention of the script and the consequent 
editing that we jump so harshly to the next point but you're right it feels it, it jars and there's no build-up to this terrible moment when the doctor's effectively being tortured so it doesn't have much impact and i always forget that this scene is even in the episode because it seems as i've said about adam a lot it seems unnecessary it doesn't add anything because i think you can already gather that van staten's a sort of horrible selfish and blindsided person who just wants to control and wants to have influence and authority over others that he would you assume that he would see the doctor as some sort of object without having to scan him for information anyway yeah it just i get what you mean by we can kind of guess how it got in that situation but in my mind you don't really think of the doctor as being um restrained that easily and stripped mm. of his clothes somehow like how do you and 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 then the fact that the next scene they don't even have a scene of him being let out in the next scene he's in his shirt nice nice still no creases in it clearly whatever they've done is just folded it up somewhere that is very typical who conveniently neat uncreased clothes from one scene to the next but also why does he have to be topless this may sound really prude of me but i don't want to see the doctor eccleston topless when it's so insignificant to the rest of the story surely you have enough alien tech that's advanced enough to x-ray him or whatever it is through one layer of jumper especially i do feel quite sorry for him now we know what he was going through at the time as well exactly it seems cruel exactly just, just unneeded and yeah I, I just didn't understand it and that's why i didn't like it but this is a great episode so let's talk about some more great moments and by great moments i mean the Dalek going on a killing spree what fun i don't what have much to say it's fun oh, it I was do. just pretty intimidating that's all i've got to say yeah we are treated as Dalek fans in this episode, you see the almighty power of one Dalek on its own without all the warships, without the Emperor, without Davros, without all the additional Daleks you could have. One Dalek is still powerful and intelligent enough to kill people in such a brutal and swift manner. That moment when the Dalek electrocutes all the soldiers from setting off the sprinkler system and doing one single exterminate, which kills them all. It is chilling. Yeah, I really think Daleks can be a lot more fretting when there's just one of them. And I just feel like, we'll talk about this at the end of the season, where there's millions of ships and whatever, it just seems a bit insurmountable and a bit like, I don't know how to explain it, it just doesn't seem as threatening as this one Dalek going around killing everyone. I feel like it's because there's more like personality behind it and this one Dalek is going room to room killing everyone and there's nothing they can do. Which I suppose, I don't know how to explain it, I just feel like this scene has a lot more of a threatening Dalek because when there's loads of them, they don't seem as threatening as this one Dalek that kills loads of people. They just seem a bit naff, getting blown up by whoever's on the bloody satellite. I think I agree with you to, to an extent. You do lose an element of intimidation when there are so many Daleks, but at the same time you also 
have quite a cool element of an invasion. I'm thinking of, say, the Stolen Earth, when their power seems, and their strength and their evil seems so widespreading that it's almost something that the Doctor can't defeat, whereas one Dalek you can imagine the Doctor could defeat. So in that way, I think it could be intimidating or at least cool to watch because, you know, oh dear, the Doctor's in trouble and he can't get through it. But I also think that having a single Dalek for the first episode with the Daleks back in it really tests the strength of the villain and yeah. it comes off well in this episode. You you see the power one Dalek has when it electrocutes everyone and it does it so simply and with such superiority over the humans. And I love how the Doctor says it wants us to see. It's playing mind games. It's it's a villain on another level. It doesn't just shoot, it thinks. And thinking is in some ways more dangerous than any actual action. I do have one slight problem with this being the first Dalek episode. And, and it's just nothing against the episode itself. It's just as the story as a whole. But this is the first time the Dalek appears in this new show. And their solution to this is it's telling us just telling us that these things feel no emotions and will kill everything and then a few minutes later showing this villain that a lot of us were never meant before with emotions being quite forgiving and it's not a problem with the episode it's just a bit weird how they chose this to be the first episode i think it is because in some ways it reintroduces them in a really good way as we've previously said it challenges all the previously silly things about the Daleks but in another way emotions are a big theme in this episode and Daleks Mm -hmm. are anything but emotional I'd also say whilst we're on its killing spree section that the moment I have to mention this you know I'm going to say the moment when it says elevate elevate viewers across the nation are proved wrong despite the fact it happened in remembrance of the daleks are proved wrong the daleks are actually a good doctor who villain they aren't silly they're terrifying and also rose and adam and that woman who no one cares about because she's about to die they're all proven wrong so they're like ha how is that woman there's... the one you don't care about surely it's adam oh i don't care about adam either but I'm just saying, I don't care about Adam, but I still have such strong emotions about him that I remember his name. You care about Adam, just not in a good way. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm glad listeners are going to be sitting on the edge of their seats for the next quote. And the next quote happens right after this scene. Oh, no. So there are two characters. Um, because I've worked it out in my head and there is a way for you to be able to play a different character every time, Andrea. You're cruel. You're crueler than the Dalek. Why, why do you do Whoa. this to me? Whoa, I'm crueler than a Dalek. That's so rude. Anyway. Well, at least this Dalek in this episode experiences human, human emotions. Wow. <laughs> so what wow. scene? Okay. You're, you're playing Rose in this scene, okay? Oh, I'm dear. just about to send it to I don't you. think I can do Billy Piper justice. <laughs> oh, and you can are you calling what you just did justice for Christopher Eccleston? No, but I, I gave it a good, a good try. Well, I'm a Dalek again, so um, you're welcome, listeners. Can I read the first bit just Go to ahead. set the scene? Because they might not know what's happening otherwise. That's true. 
Rose is confronted by the Dalek. Ooh, whoa, scary. What are you waiting for? Oh dear, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I feel your fear. What do you expect? Daleks do not fear, must not fear. It shoots wildly twice, missing Rose completely. You gave me life. What else have you given me? I am contaminated. Just went kind of American at the end of that one. I am contaminated. I've watched this episode quite a few times, and every time I've watched it, I've missed the the good stuff that the Daleks saying. It's got some really good, like, somewhat philosophical lines, but you kind of just miss it because of the silly voice. And I really appreciate a lot of these lines, I think. Now I'm actually thinking about them. And I've just butchered them all. You and me both. I'm so sorry, Billy Piper and Robert in Lancaster for having to hear, hear that. Yeah. Anyway, what are your thoughts on this scene trying to ignore um, our spin on it? Well, the original scene, as it was, before we contaminated it, so to speak, I really enjoy it because I think you've kind of already summarised it. The Dalek says really philosophical things. It considers emotions to be contaminated. And I know that as humans, we obviously think that that's ridiculous. But in some ways, some emotions only have negative impacts. And Doctor Who is quite good at even showing the worth of negative emotions. I'm thinking of Cyberman episodes, especially in particular The Age of Steel where John Lumick questions why the Doctor would want to feel things like pain and suffering and grief. And the Doctor says that, you know, he proves that they define him and that they're important and just as important and relevant and character-shaping as the good emotions. And, and so this episode addresses that theme of humanity, really, in quite a similar way. Which is something you don't really see with the Daleks as much because you no. don't have the converting side as often as you do with the Cybermen. Although, obviously, you do in the series finale for this series. But it's a good it's a good scene. And it's quite tense when you see the Dalek try to exterminate Rose and it narrowly misses twice. And I also, with this, you know, because Rose is assumed to be dead, I enjoy Eccleston's reaction to this. He He hears the Dalek scream if you like exterminate he tears off his earpiece he admits that he killed her it's all his fault and you sort of see in a mini way the the grief that he went through probably every day of the time war seeing daleks destroy his home and those he loved and so he's losing someone to the daleks all over again and it's too much and that is what drives him to save her when it turns out that she's not dead and he's given a second chance. Sweet, sweet Andrea. You have walked right into my trap. Oh, dear. My favourite scene of the episode is this scene where the Doctor confronts Henry Van Satten. So, of course, I've got the quote ready. This time, Andrea, you can play Henry Van Satten. So get your American accent ready. Oh, God, I'm going to insult so many people. <laughs> okay. Um, you, you can read the first bit again. Go ahead. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad this is a one-week thing. That's all I'm going to say. Me, me too. I am so relieved. 
Okay. The doctor believes Rose has been killed by the Daleks. I could have killed the Dalek in its cell, but you stopped me. It was the prize of my collection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, any American viewers. And I know we have some. I've looked on Anchor FM's ana- analytics. Your collection? Well, was it worth it? Worth all those men's deaths? Worth Rose? Let me tell you something, Van Saturn. Mankind goes into space to explore, to be part of something greater. Exactly. I wanted to touch the stars. You just wanted to drag the stars down and stick them underground beneath tons of sand and dirt and label them. You're about as far away from the stars as you can get, and you took her down with you. Well, I think we've just destroyed any potential acting careers or voiceover careers. In a few moments, I'm so sorry to any Americans, you're lovely people. That's funny. You think anyone's going to listen to this? Uh, I hope not, actually. Which is a weird thing for a podcast. I hope we have no listeners. That Apart from Robert from Lancaster, I appreciate him. Yeah, he's welcome. Unless unless he's been to Sussex. I was about to say, if you stepped foot in Sussex. Anyway, um, more stand-up moments. Quick, quick, quick. I have one, and that's... I really like the final scene. Wait, sorry, do you have any before then? or? Well... It depends what you mean by the final scene, because the final scene is technically Adam being like, no, final I'm talking about the bloody scene where the thing that explodes. The, the thing. The thing being the Dalek. The, the title for this episode is quite a clue. I know that you're not quite on it when it comes to Doctor Who, and this has been a challenge for you, but it's, it's called a Dalek. I thought it was a Cyberman. Anyway... What a great scene. What was that accent? What a, it was my idiot voice, pretending to be an idiot. In hindsight, I should have just done my impression of Andrea. Anyway. Whoa, that what, hurt. What a great scene. <laughs> this has gone off the rails. What a great scene. I think it really just brings everything together that's happened into this episode so neatly. It's such a satisfying ending for all these themes they've been throwing out. We've discussed in the past how we've been dismayed at the unquiet dead and um, the end of the world where they'll talk about themes or they'll talk about Mr. Sneed being mean to people or the rich or whatever. And they never like full on face these themes at the end of the episode. They don't address it, which we've disliked. But in this episode, they do such a good job of going, this is everything we've talked about this episode. And this is how it all ends. And this is everything that happens as a result of it. And it just ties everything up so neatly. You have hit the nail on the head and it's got a headache now. I I think you're so correct. It is so clever to position the Dalek in the, well, maybe not the moral high ground, but higher than the Doctor, even though obviously the Dalek has killed many more people, but Rose acts as a barrier, suggesting that what the Doctor's doing is more wrong than what the Dalek is doing at that moment in time. It stood there, it wants to break free. The Doctor is there, meanwhile, with a gun. And you see him ready to be violent and to take action, physical action, against an enemy for the first time. I know he blows up the Sabine, but with the tone of the episode, we sort of just accept it, we don't question it morally, and we just enjoy it, if anything. No offence to the Selene, they're a great villain, despite what many Doctor Who fans say. But we do enjoy them being blown up, it's still quite funny. We do. I also enjoy them 
blowing off. Oh dear. The fart jokes are inescapable. I don't care if it's not an episode about them. Farts will forever be a theme in this podcast as long as Dean is a co-host. But I think that when Rose says, what about you, Doctor? What the hell are you turning into? We see the Dalek gradually become more human as the episode goes on. And the Doctor's journey is completely the reverse of that. He becomes a lot less human and a lot more Dalek, if you like. And it's so interesting to see this because until this point he's only been a hero yes he's been harsh he's shouted at some people poor Charles Dickens etc but this is the moment when you actually think that the doctor is properly in the wrong and Rose is so good at almost taming him just as she does the Dalek, she helps the Dalek become more human, although it considers itself to be contaminated as a result. And she does the same for the Doctor. They're both survivors of the Time War. They're both tarnished by the events they've gone through. They're both loyal to the sides that they were on. And yet Rose manages to tame them both. And so I think that she has the strength in this particular scene. And it's fantastic to see her almost stood in between the two enemies yeah you're right do you want me to now go and ruin all this great analyzing we've been doing because it is time for the last little bit of role play oh no i thought that was it no there's one more i will play two characters i will play the doctor and rose while you andrea can play the dalek oh dear you've done such a good job with the dalek okay so i'm starting so i'm the dalek and i've got to do a dalek-y voice now I am the... Oh, no, that was bad. I'm not... Oh, can I just... I'm just going to practice it briefly. You talk to our listeners. Um, I'd just like to give a couple couple shout-outs to Robert from Lancaster and David from Hertfordshire. And whoever is in Sussex, you're getting no shout-outs. You suck. Also, um, thank you for listening. I only have two Dalek voices, and neither of them... Are anywhere near to Dalek, so I either go growly. Do a bit of both. Do a bit of both for us, or just a stereotypical Give us crap your robot. Bit of both. I am the last of the Daleks. You're not even that. Rose did more than regenerate you. You've absorbed her DNA. You're mutating into what? Something new. I'm sorry. Isn't that better? Not for a Dalek. <laughs> I can feel so many ideas, so much darkness. Rose, give me orders. Order me to die. I can't do that. This is not life. This is sickness. I shall not be like you. Order my destruction. Obey, obey, obey. Do it. Wow. (laughs) Clap, clap, clap to us. I feel like we got into it, which is more than anyone listening did. That was powerful. I love the line. I'm going to say it in a normal voice so it actually sticks. Because I feel like that was mm. the problem with a lot mm. of these lines. Who goes, this is not life. This is sickness. I think such an interesting way of looking. I really like the, the, the idea this episode has that this thing that's never experienced emotions before suddenly hit with so many emotions and its only response to this is to blow itself up. And I think that is such a mood, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, 
if a human had never experienced emotions and then suddenly did, would we see that as a positive thing? Yeah. This is a bit, it's going to sound a bit off topic. I saw a video the other day where a kid had never heard anything before, but they got for hearing aids and he could hear. And I was like, wow, that's such an amazing thing. But if you were that kid who's, he was like three or something, never heard anything your entire life and they turn on the hearing aids, it would be the most terrifying experience mm, of your life. Yeah. And like her parents are sitting, his parents are sitting there going, it's all right, it's all right. But obviously you've got no idea what they're saying. And I feel like it would be really scary. And I kind of think this random video I saw on the internet relates to what this Dalek is going through. It's the complete unknown for the Dalek. Yeah. It's like a gift, but doesn't know what to do with it. And it's terrifying. Well, anyway, Andrew, are you ready to move on to our next little bit? I am. Let's giddy up. This is the section we like to talk about characters, and every week we talk about the same character first, and every week I make the same dumb joke, and every week Andrea has an equally dismayed response. And the first character is called Doctor Who. Ah! That was Andrea, for anyone wondering what that noise was. Okay, basically, my thoughts, best Christopher Eccleston episode yet. Maybe the best Christopher Eccleston episode ever. Because you're right, you get annoyed with him. Andrew was saying this earlier, and you get annoyed with him. But you don't dislike him, if that makes sense. You're like, why are you doing this? But you know why he's doing it. That sounded really dumb. But I think I got the message across. It's Christopher Eccleston shows these emotions just so rawly with, with like the pain you feel his pain and you see his brain working and you can really sense his anger and I feel like it's something that isn't followed in a lot of other doctors yeah I would agree and what you said wasn't at all dumb I think you actually summarized it quite nicely that we're almost like Rose in this situation and that's the theme that's also carried through this entire series where we're often aligned with her character and we probably view the Doctor and his actions in the same way that she does. We don't understand... I mean, we understand why he's doing it, but at the same time, we know that it's wrong. And so it's a sort of conflicting sympathy and judgment factor. Yeah. But I would agree. It's a fantastic Eccleston performance. And I would probably say it's my equal favourite Eccleston along with World War Three, just because they're completely different versions of his Doctor. <laughs> but yeah. I value the dark side of him and the light and witty side equally, probably. Just his sarcasm. I think his sarcasm is my favourite element and we get that in both his anger and his jokes. So next character we talk about is The Rose, as always. Um, not a lot to say. She's the, obviously in this episode, I think her role is she is the surrogate for the audience. And apart from that, she doesn't do much else apart from the whole Adam thing, but we'll talk about that more next week. Just what a load of bollocks. What do you say? <laughs> here, here to, to, to the bollocks. But I think Rose actually does quite a lot in this episode. We've already spoken about it really about the fact that she, we align with her her relationship with the Dalek is crucial to not only the plot, but to our understanding of the Dalek and their philosophy. If we didn't understand that the Dalek considers emotions to be sickness, then you don't fully understand their evil philosophy enough for the finale that we have for this series. So it's completely yeah. crucial to 
the finale. But Rose is also crucial. She teaches the Dalek what it's like to be human. She tries to defend both the Doctor and the Dalek. She's the the person in the middle of this massive conflict that's still resonating after the Time War, stuck between two survivors who are both alone, effectively. And yet she sort of gives both of them company in a weird way. Where I don't like Rose's character, where she frustrates me, well, the character doesn't frustrate me, but the writing frustrates me, is that why do we need her to have some sort of relationship with Adam? She already has a boyfriend in Mickey. We, we already can see the beginnings of a, a strong friendship or maybe a relationship, I'm not sure, on the relationship front in this series with the Doctor. And yet it's like Adam's a filler in the middle. And I think that it's quite negative. If I want to take a feminist stance, it's quite negative that they seem to feel the need to pair and match Rose up with some sort of male just for the sake of it. And you get Captain Jack in a few episodes as well. Exactly. So she just goes from one man to the other. And for such a confident and emotional character, who I would say is a strong female character, probably more so in series two. Well, definitely Definitely more so in in series two. And when she later returns in series four. But I think it's just a shame that they had to have her dancing from one man to the other. And Adam is the most unnecessary of all the characters. I have a um, preposition for you. Mm -hmm. See what you think of this. Why don't we try and avoid complaining about Adam this week? And next week, we can have a whole entire section called Everything Wrong with Adam. I would love that. Although it will probably mean that if on the off chance Rossity Davis ever listened to this podcast, he'd take it to heart. Where I don't know Robert Shearman from Adam. <laughs> uh, from Adam. <laughs> That's ironic. And, and so I, I don't mind as much if we are rude during this podcast. But I would say that I, I'm very anxious not to be as critical of adam as you are of mickey and this is my question to you who do you prefer adam or mickey 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 that is the correct answer i, I feel like all my problems i have with adam in this episode are more apparent in the long game so i'm kind of wary to talk about them this episode because i know i'll just be repeating myself next week okay instead of talking about why we hate adam as you said it's more prominent in the long game because he turns out not to be a very nice person i don't think but can i ask you this yes you can if adam was just in this episode Mm -hmm. and didn't go traveling with the doctor briefly and then exploit the gift of seeing the universe that the doctor gives him would you dislike him as much as you do obviously not as much but i still wouldn't like him it just still would feel if anything i feel like it would be even more unnecessary to have him in just this one episode because when you watch the two episodes together it feels like this episode is setting adam up to be in the next episode but if you remove the element of him being in the next episode then he's just setting him up for nothing and it's just just having this character and trying to build emotions on it but having no payoff and just being a big loser the entire time (laughs) that's one way of putting it what do you think? This may be a bit of an obscure point, but I feel the dynamic that, say this was a standalone episode, Adam's only appearance in Doctor Who, I feel the dynamic Shearman goes for with Adam and Rose 
resembles the relationship we see later with Martha and Riley in 42. I don't know if you remember that. It, it is very obscure. I'll just give it a quick Google to see if I can recall anything. But they're sort of forced together in a sort of friendly way. There's a bit of flirting. And it's done better in 42 because you get the impression that Riley's emotionally invested in Martha and he's oh, very yeah, respectful of her. And they come close to death. So, And I'm not saying that Adam and Rose don't come close to death in Dalek, but then Riley and Martha are cast off in this exit pod and are gravitating towards the sun. And it looks like they're not going to get out of the situation well, obviously. And so they bond emotionally. There's no moment where Rose and Adam connect. And that's my issue with Adam in this yeah, episode. It's all just pretty crap banter. Exactly. They, the, they should have bonded after they had become endangered by the Dalek rather than them flirting a little bit. It's quite abrupt. Rose's. You know, the last two episodes have been about Rose's infatuation with the Doctor and also how Mickey has suffered as a result of that and how she's missed him. And so it's completely about those two characters. And then she waltzes straight into the room of some other bloke and they start floating immediately. And it's just a bit awkward. I don't want this to be taken against uh, Billy Piper, but I just don't feel like there's much chemistry between the characters. No, I, it's the writing. It's just dumb banter unlike us two who have top quality banter on this podcast we do and if anyone says otherwise still give us five stars we don't care what you write <laughs> okay i feel like i'm a bit adamed out now so i don't have much to say on henry van staten oh i am adamed out so badly interesting character Henry Van Staten. I feel like he could be a villain in a whole episode of his own and you didn't have to throw the Dalek in. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it could have worked like that. Would mm. have been interesting. Um, that's about it I've got to say on him. Yeah, he's probably the first example of... Bad human. Yeah, we see this sort of imprint of a bad human throughout Doctor Who in various forms. I'm thinking most recently in Arachnid's in the UK in series 11. And so you see this sort of power mad, completely ignorant and arrogant, often men, not going to lie, who... Oh, dead, no. <laughs> who somehow, when faced with an alien threat that will probably mean death for many people around them, or little people as they probably see them, they still think that they're somehow clever enough, important enough to be invincible to that threat and to therefore not have to worry about it and they let other people die as a consequence and i feel he's the the first version of this character that we get in new who and so later versions are maybe not as good he does annoy me but he's meant he to yeah he's meant to get under your skin you're meant to think what a disgusting human being i hope he gets thrown out on the streets with his mind wiped somewhere in a place beginning with s you know I do like it. I've talked about already about how my favourite scene is the bit about the Doctor saying he just wants to drag the stars down under all the sand of dirt, which I think is such a brilliant metaphor. Really sums up his character, and I think that's about everything I have to say on him. I agree. Shall we, because we've talked about the Dalek a lot already, because the episode is Dalek, shall we move on to the most pretentious section of the podcast? The yeah. section you made me do? 
No, oh, you're getting your defenses out early. You don't even know um, what I'm going to say yet. Let's just, we'll find out. This is the section where I've asked Andrea, an aspiring screenwriter who hasn't achieved much, but I know one day she will. Um, and she tells us how, even though she's not better than these writers, how she would improve the episode for them. And every week I use this section to mock her mercilessly. Andrea, um, take it away. That was so honest. It honestly made my day. Thank you. Can that be in the introduction every time? Because I haven't not. had to battle back any of your lies. <laughs> also, she wrote Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Take it away. <laughs> it was actually three. I wrote three. My first improvement. Oh dear, I've just looked at my notes and I have literally written, keep it in your pants, Adam. <laughs> I did I don't remember writing that. I must have been really <laughs> angry at Adam. But my point is that the flirtations between them are just so forced with so little time to know them uh, as a couple. And it's based on nothing, yeah. I can't help it. I was born this way. That's my impression of Adam. Yeah, and I feel I feel offended that this is Doctor Who's representation of an academic student. I'm not saying that I'm an intellect or a genius <laughs> that would get, you know, sought after by Van Staten, but both you and me, you know, we're not bad people. We're, we're academic people. Just don't feel bad about admitting it. We are smarter than the rest of you. That's a lie. I took it a bit far, but you get the point. You did take it a bit too far. But he's actually pretty dumb for what an he academic never is. never shows his intelligence. I don't want to... Okay, I'm going to calm down on the Adam front for this week, okay? Just everyone... Make sure to tune in next week for an unleash of abhorrent insults and death threats. Yeah, there's little chemistry. It's very forced. It's very sudden. And it's just a way of giving Rose a man to cling on to for a few episodes. And that's why I don't like it. My second improvement was well, not an improvement. It's just something that's wrong. Is that I feel the Americanisms are too exaggerated. <laughs> I don't know if any of the actors are actually American, but it doesn't seem to me like they are. Their accents are very stereotypical. I feel like a problem with a lot of American acts, fake American accents are you tell someone to do an American accent and they'll just do an American accent. Like a lot of these accents aren't like a Texan accent or whatever accent. They're all they're just American. And because they're so generic, you can tell that it's a bit off. Well, that was my issue earlier. See, it's a common issue with us actors. <laughs> my third improvement is that Rose doesn't really try all that hard to run in time to get past the door that's closing down. It bugs me. It is funny. I laugh every time I see it. And this isn't against Billy Piper, because if I was an actor, I would struggle to look like I was running fast because I can't run fast. I, I knew you were going to say that. But she seems pretty happy just chilling at the back. She doesn't want to be near Adam. I wouldn't want to either. And she's just chilling. She's not trying hard to get to the door. And so her excuse when the doctor asks if she made it through in time, she's just like, oh, I was a bit slow. Yes, you were. You were dilly-dallying, Rose. Rose, seriously? Pick up the pace, love, okay? 
sense of urgency, mm-hmm. please. Tap, tap, tap. My fourth improvement is that Van Staten's allegedly a computer genius, and this comes out of the blue. And although it gives his character more complexity than the average power-mad villains that we get, it seems like a mismatch with his character. I mean, he does own the internet. He clearly shows that he's been very intelligent throughout. And yeah, I know what you mean, but it's not like completely unfounded. No, because as as you just said, he does own the internet. But I think something that we could all assume with people in high positions is that a lot of their success comes from the unsung heroes below them. (laughs) Um, I feel like just a quick quick point here something we've missed on the episode we've barely touched upon the fact that van satin owns the internet just like this episode has anyway <laughs> <laughs> i love that point to the point that point was i said point too much wow points my last point is the point the line by the dalek i won't attempt an accent because no one is here the that dalek yet. accent we all know that accent <laughs> yeah i mean the dalek accent is probably more accurate than any of the American accents in this episode. Just saying. But the line, what use are emotions if you will not save the woman you love, seems a step too far for me because we haven't seen a romantic link. Yeah, it stood out to me too as well. So yeah, it just seemed out of the blue, that line. They seem as, you know, close friends. We definitely see that the Doctor's emotionally attached to Rose in World War 3 when he's worried about losing her even if it means saving the world from the Slitheen. But it's still something that really jarred with me and so I, I, I would change that line. I get what you mean. Like something like, what use are emotions if you will not save your friend? Rose, she's here. She's your friend. Why won't you do something for your mate? And she's still alive. I didn't kill her because I'm starting to feel emotions now. And this is why I said this line, because I'm kind of um, confronted by the fact that I have emotions. So now I'm challenging the fact that you are feeling emotions. Hence why I made the previous comment. I know you wanted to sound just funny then, but your point was actually so clever. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that was the end of my improvements. Well, suggestions well not even suggestions just insults so whenever you're ready i'm ready for our rating every week i give this brief summary of our rating system if you don't get it by now this isn't the podcast for you because you're pretty dumb so we rate the episode on a scale of 1 to 13, 1 being the worst and 13 is the best because there are 13 Doctors. This is just an arbitrary number we've chosen. We're not saying the first Doctor is the best or the 13th Doctor is the worst or vice versa. I said that the wrong way around. Also, you can give an 8.5 as a score, aka a War Doctor, but no other decimal places are allowed. <sighs> Any questions? What happens if you gave it an 8.8? You will be exterminated. You didn't do it in the Dalek voice. I was waiting for that. Wow. How disappointing. You have let me down. Anyway, um, I have given this rating, big number, biggest number yet, 11. It may not be Ooh. as rewatchable as an episode like World War Three, but just for the meat of all this content in it or the clever mm, the stuff art. and all the philosophy, I really like it and would probably be 
isn't the funnest episode of the season, but for me, I think it's the best episode of the season. Very interesting. I gave it a 10 out of 13. I basically did this because when going back through the series, I enjoy it probably equally to Rose. Yeah. Um, and I gave Rose a 10. That makes so sense. it seemed fair. Well, I'd just like to thank you all for listening to our podcast. Please join us next week where, as we have mentioned, we will be talking about the long game. And next week, if you didn't think we did enough slating of Adam, well, you're in for a treat next week. Okay, that's all you I'm... really are. Yes, and please do follow us on Instagram at, at chattywattypod. We've also got an email, chattywattypod at gmail.com. Please give us your thoughts on what we've said. Give us suggestions for things to discuss in future podcast episodes, obviously Doctor Who or Britney Spears related. And we also obviously have an Anchor FM account. So please do check us out at, at chattywatty. Yeah, and please, um, if you do use Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a little review. I say this every week. If you don't like the episode, give us a five-star rating and then put all your insults in the review because we're not going to read the review if it's anything less than five stars. Um, So, yeah, again, I'd just like to thank you all for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.